change in the world happens in ripples, in, in a ripple effect. A very small change in one part of this interconnected global system, global network of one system we're all part of, a small change in one element can result in a very large change somewhere down the track. Hi, I'm Dr. Richard Harmer, and you're about to discover new ways to go from overwhelm to thriving in your business and in your life by following your passions, pursuing your unique life purpose, and stepping fully into your infinite potential. You deserve to live your best life, a life filled with all of the clarity, courage, and commitment you need to be happy and to make a positive impact on the world. So get ready, because this podcast challenges society's expectations for what it means to be successful in life and in business, and invites you to grow beyond outdated assumptions for defining who you are. Welcome to the Positive Change Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Harmer, and in this podcast, we talk about challenging the status quo and creating new positive change for yourself and for the world. And in this particular podcast, we're talking about how you know you're ready to change the world. And it really starts with you recognizing when you're saying one or more of the following things to yourself. I can do so much, I just don't know where to start. Or I've got so much to give, I just don't know if I'm ready to do it now. Or I can see so much possibility for change, I just don't have the time to make it happen. Now, if you notice that you're doing any of these or saying any of these things, you know that you're ready to create change. And you know why? The reason you're ready to create change for the world at this point in time is you won't recognize an opportunity to create change unless you're ready to step into that opportunity and make it happen. Now, in a previous podcast, I've talked about how you know you're ready to change. And I'm going to leave the show notes in the details underneath this podcast. But let's just start from this point of how do you know you're ready to change? It's because you recognize you can do more, you're just not sure what. Now, to set the scene here, probably about 10 or 12 years ago, I noticed myself saying a lot, oh God, I wish I, I just wish I knew what to do next. I, I could do anything if I just knew what it was. And I took myself off to a retreat with some friends, a retreat under this social technology called Art of Hosting. Now, I'll leave some details in the show notes around this as well and some of the mentors I've had along the way, but this Art of Hosting retreat's really all about collective leadership and instigating grassroots change, principles and practices of helping communities, small and large, to create the change they most want to see for themselves. And there was a session within that retreat that really asked the question, what is leadership? And we went through a whole a range of experiential elements to understand what that is. One of them being tying ourselves up in a collective knot and working out how to get ourselves unknotted. But the premise of this or the key insight I gained from that one retreat that has fundamentally set the tone for how I think about my entire life and career is this. What is leadership? The leader 
is the person or group of people who can see a better way for many other people and who have the clarity and the courage to step up to the plate and to make that change happen. The leader who is, can see the way and is willing to do something about it. So the premise here is this. How do you know you're ready to change the world? Well, you can see a better way for others and you're willing to do something about it. Now, as I say that, that sounds really easy, right? But sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. Sometimes we work individually and collectively, we work against ourselves and what we intuitively know to be true. And that's what this podcast is all about. How do we know when we're working against ourselves and what do we do about it to be that positive change in the world we most see we need to become? Now, the key issue here is an issue of avoidance, of avoiding our own personal power and our own personal mandate to create that possible and positive change for others. But how do we really know that we're avoiding, that we're working against ourselves? Well, there's four fundamental things that we're likely to notice about ourselves if we're ready to change the world and yet we're working against ourselves or avoiding implementing, instigating, and pursuing that all-important positive change that can impact so many people around you. The first thing we're likely to be doing if we're avoiding owning our own personal power and our own mandate to create positive change is we'll be trying to convince ourselves that it's not time or that we aren't ready or that you're not the right person for that change. We'll get that feeling within ourselves that, well, there's just no choice, but I'm just not ready. And we know we've tipped over, we've overcome that avoidance when we realize that I just have no choice but to act. I cannot not do this thing that I'm noticing is most important for me to do. So that's the first way we're going to avoid engaging in the positive change that can impact so many people that we know intuitively is our destiny to take but yet we're not stepping into the four we can see the way we have the clarity we just don't yet have the courage to step in and make it happen now the second thing we can do that we know that we're avoiding is when we notice a change needs to be made or could be made or there's a new possibility or a new potential or something better that could impact you and other people, we notice it, yet we're waiting for other people to initiate the change on our behalf or we're waiting to see if other people would do it. Now, this happens all the time because we're just not exactly sure who owns the change, who's responsible for it, who's best place to do it the skills is it mine to do it is it someone else's to do so we find ourselves waiting to see if someone else will initiate the change so you can get on board you can follow along you can help out you can be the sport act but here's the thing we are or i should say you are the person you have been waiting for to make this all-important change happen. If you can see the possibility for something better, 
You are the person you've been waiting for. Now, a third thing that might happen is we might tell other people, hey, I see that there's opportunity for something better here. It might be small that has big potential or large, we just don't know where to start, but we'll say something to others in order to validate that we're heading in the right direction and they might say, no, no, there's no problem here. There's nothing to see here. And you know, we start to question whether we're off track or we're seeing things the wrong way around. Now, not all the time, but in some instances, and you see this quite frequently in political circles around the world right now, but gaslighting. Other people telling us that we're seeing things or experiencing something incorrectly that has us doubt our own experience. Now, if you intuitively know that something is not right and could be better, and we're questioning, am I missing something here? Or am I not sure what I'm seeing, but actually intuitively, you just know that you're right? This is the opportunity to not listen to other people and listen to yourself and respond. Now, the fourth thing we can be doing that has us avoid engaging in that all-important positive change, that change that can impact so many people, is believing that it's not your problem to solve. Yeah, I could do something, but that's just not my, that's my thing. That's not my problem to solve. And now that might actually be true. It might not be, ultimately, be your problem to solve. Yet it most definitely is your problem to name, frame, and explain to other people. But the challenge is this. If we're unclear whose problem it is to solve, then everyone owns the problem, including you. If we don't know whose problem it is to solve, then it's everybody's problem to solve. Now, this happens so much in community environments and in neighborhoods. The squeaky wheel that no one wants to fix or no one wants to address, but actually everyone needs to, to address it. So you may, at this point in time, listening to this podcast, go, hey, okay, I, I kind of get what you're saying here. I, I do have a thing that I think I can make a difference in, but it just seems so big. I'm kind of afraid to start. I don't know where to begin. This thing is so huge, so big, I just don't know where to start. Well, there's two things to consider at this point in time. If you recognize that you are the person you've been waiting for, there is no other choice but to, to act. And sure, no one owns a problem, therefore I own the problem. And now I'm not missing anything here. I know I need to get on with this. But it's just so big. I don't even know where to start. It's so confusing. There's so many angles. There's so many perspectives to take. The first thing to think, or the first thing to do, I should say, is to check your intention. Is it your intention to make a positive change for the thing that you're observing? Is it altruistic or does it have good intention? Sure, will there be benefits for other people? Sure, it might benefit you too, but are there benefits for other people as well? Or are you the only beneficiary of the change you want to make? There are lots of people in the world, and I won't name any names, but there are lots of people in the world that are trying to make change in the world, but they're doing it for personal gain. 
They're doing it to benefit themselves and then not many other people that also benefit. You know, the top 1% of people with money in the world, sure, they're philanthropic, but they're also doing a lot of things that try to keep the money in their own back pocket. You know, philanthropic efforts in the US and Australia and many other places have tied funding attached to them. So, sure, we're happy to give you some funds to support your social initiative. But here are a whole bunch of criteria that you need to jump through in order to keep the money or in order to get the money that help you make the change you want. This is an example of people being altruistic, but altruistic with some constraints about how that altruism gets implemented. Sure, we do need to support people spending money for social good to spend it in a way that is most impactful. But the most impactful way of spending that money is most likely going to be decided by the people who actually know the problem they're trying to solve. So the first thing you want to check is, yes, I can make that change, but it's really big and it's confusing and complex. I don't know what to do next. Is, are you engaging with this thing for the right reasons? If you can hand on heart say, hey, I'm here to make a change. I can make a change. It's going to benefit a lot of people. Sure, I might benefit, but actually it's all about other people. And I can see how I can make a positive change for the world that is going to benefit other people, then hey, you're on the right track. The second consideration here is to understand that most complex change, in fact, all complex change, is going to kind of look like using a metaphor, like a spaghetti bowl. So many threads, so many angles to take, so many knots. Where do you actually start? Well, the first thing to do is not think you need not is to not think you need to solve every problem all at once or you need to understand and engage in a complex challenge in one hit like pragmatically nobody can do that the thing to recognize here and to pursue is to identify one thread at a time of all of the things you need to do around this challenge or this opportunity or this positive change you want to make What's the first thread? What's the first thing to engage in? Don't worry about everything. Just engage in the one thing. And if you can, take that one thread, pull it ever so slightly, and see where the knot is. How is this thread? How is this one angle, this one perspective, this one initiative, this one first step you can take? How is it entangled with lots of other things you could also do first? If you're able to unravel that knot to provide a set of threads rather than a spaghetti bowl of something, then you're able to take something that's too big to start to have one thing with many starts. This is a key element. Unthread or unscramble the spaghetti bowl. Now, remember here too that you don't have to solve every problem. Just the problem or just the change or just the opportunity that you are uniquely able to address. Now, for everything else that's outside your sweet spot, outside your zone of genius, outside your passion and purpose, the thing that you know you need to do, anything that's outside of that, the job isn't to tackle the challenge. 
The job is to name or define that problem or opportunity for others so that they have a launching off place, a starting point to begin. Just do your part and trust that others' good intentions will also do the same. Someone else will take the next thread of spaghetti and they'll do something important with it that is all in service of making that positive change. Now, I've mentioned this particular piece of advice or suggestion to so many change makers in my time in the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. Just do your part and trust that others will also have positive or good intention and will do their part too. And they'll say to me, yes, Richard, but I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. Now, the thing here is if you are offering all that you can and you're not burning out, which is critical, if you're offering all you can, you're doing your best, doing the work that you're proud of, you're making the change that you know you can and there may be more to do, but it's just you're able to do it now and you're personally, emotionally, physically, relationally, life, you're resilient and bouncing back and staying on top of things, then you are doing enough. The thing to consider here is yes, you are having a positive change on the world even if it doesn't feel like it. Lorenz, um, a quantum physicist in the 1960s or early 1970s, spoke about this thing called the butterfly effect. Change in the world happens in ripples, in, in a ripple effect. A very small change in one part of this interconnected global system, global network of one system we're all part of, a small change in one element can result in a very large change somewhere down the track. Just think about, you know, maybe it's not the ideal analogy, but just think about Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook in a Harvard dorm room. Pretty sure at the time, and I have watched um, the social network to get, a, to, to get the, you know, the popularized version of this story. Pretty sure he didn't think about Facebook being so interwoven in, our, in global society when he thought about it to begin with. Small changes can have very large changes later down the track so yes you can change the world even if you don't realize you're changing the world in the moment so i just want to offer 15 things to remember and 15 actions you can take to make sure that just your little change is set up to change the world the first one, number one, is you have to accept current reality. If you don't accept what's actually going on, if you don't fully embrace the current circumstances or situation, you can't hope to change anything. If you're in denial about what current reality is and what your current circumstances are and what the current need for change is, if you're in denial, if you think it's something else when it's actually this, then you're not making any positive change. The key action here is to get really intimate 
with your current reality and the current reality of the change you want to make. If you have a sense that I cannot not do this thing, then spend some time working out what the thing is that you cannot not do and why you're feeling the way that you are or why you're thinking the way that you are. Number two, connect with your courage. The f- courage comes from the French root word coeur. I'm not saying that correctly because I don't know really how to speak French, but I remember reading about it. And the French root of the word courage is a rage of the heart. It's about passion. What is it that you feel deeply passionate about that you could not not do that meant you had to get outside your comfort zone and activate your courage? Think about the times in your life where you've activated your courage. Remember those times. Remember the felt sense of it and activate that courage right now in pursuing that positive change you want to make for the world. Similarly, lean into your fear. In my personal experience, and I've talked to many people about this as well, at the heart of your fear, that's where your strength is. That's where the gold is. Don't avoid fear. Anxiousness, worry, overwhelm, lean into it. Seek to understand it. Within the essence of your fear is the answer that you are seeking. Number four, trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Now, in an area of psychology of psychosynthesis, there is a consideration of the three levels of consciousness now, i'll go into this in significant detail within my positive change maker program um, details will be in the, the link below this podcast but the higher consciousness the seat of our consciousness where our creativity our intuition our unconditional positive intent our connection with love and care for ourselves and other people our highest integrity and our ethics that higher self is also, or that higher consciousness, is also the seat of our future self, the self that we are becoming. So lean into and to explore deeply who you are becoming and be that person now. Number five, self-care. I'll tell you what, and I can talk from personal experience here, if you do not look after yourself when you're engaged in change, whether it be small or at scale, if you don't look after yourself and stay in balance in the eight most important domains of your life, which are relationships and love, friends, family, finances, personal development and growth, physical, mental, emotional well-being, spirituality, and personal meaning. If you don't engage in all of these domains and make sure they're all in balance with each other and don't overcompensating one to the detriment of others, then you won't have the care you need to sustain any journey. For me personally, my canary in the mind, the thing that I know that if I get out of whack in is one thing, I'm staying ahead into a negative spiral and out of my zone of genius is exercise. I have to exercise, even if it be just 10 minutes, I have to do something that helps me connect with my physical body and know that I'm looking after myself physically It allows me to be mentally and emotionally strong for whatever is coming next. Number six, and I'll use the metaphor of, you know, fumbling around in the dark trying to find a torch here. You need to allow all of your senses, including your sixth sense, to be all online when you're pursuing this positive change, particularly when it's deeply complex. 
to use that analogy, when you're f- fumbling around in the dark trying to find a torch, the one sense that you can't use is your sight. So we have to heighten every other sense. Hearing, sense of smell, you know, taste, the energetic or the physical sens- sensations in our body, our kinesthetic, our touch, our intuition, your sixth sense. We need to connect and heighten all of our senses to stay in tune with what is most needed for the moment in order to know what to do next. Not just what does your, what do the facts say, but what does your heart say? Number seven, reimagine reality. Now, the thing is here that every single thing that our mind comprehends is a construction of reality, it's not reality. It is a mental model for what is happening. It is not truth. It is our imagination or our best guess of what the truth is in the moment. Everything is a construct. And as a consequence, we can change it. Don't let, don't let your mind get in the way of you knowing what to do next. It will do its nth degree to try and categorize your current experience based on or in line with a previous experience and guess what the previous experience is not happening right now now is happening now you can reinterpret any event both past present and future and i've talked about this in a previous podcast it's called the poetic principle in appreciative inquiry you can reinterpret any experience or any event in order to create new pathways so reimagine reality See what else is possible. Number eight, name your boundaries and then step over them or make them movable or make them more permeable. Let me give you a really simple example of this. I am often told by people I work with here, I could just do anything, but I just don't have time right now that they have no time, that's the boundary. What are you giving your time to that means you're not able to give time to the change you most want to see for the world? Then change that boundary. It's just one simple example of how we can move, change, or see a boundary from another side or another angle in order to see what else is possible. One of the things that I personally practice is to name the boundary of my own thinking, my own perspective, my own understanding of something, and then see, if I was to see that boundary from the other side, what would I be seeing? What would I be experiencing? What would I notice? What would I be doing if I was on the other side of that boundary? And then I'd just go and do that. Suggestion or way of thinking number nine is experiment. Try things. Like If we're really engaged in change that can potentially change the world or change the lives of so many people we're not going to know how to do that first up we're going to have to run some experiments try things make mistakes learn we're going to learn how not to do something or should i say learning how not to do something is equally as valuable as working out what to do the more we learn about what not to do where the dead end is where the pitfall is where the trap is the more we're able to learn about that and share that with other people not in a way that sort of tries to put the hero badge in our shoulder but 
in a way that says, hey, I've been on this pathway. This is what I learned. It didn't work. The more we save time for ourselves in the future or we save time for other people in the future to not go down the same rabbit hole we did and come back realizing the same thing. What can you try today to learn what to do better tomorrow? Number 10, see patterns. Now, beneath every song, it's for listening for the song beneath the words, I should say. For, ev- for everything that's going on, there is a deeper pattern. What is the deeper beat or rhythm for why something is happening the way that is happening now? So, for example, I've talked about this before in previous podcasts, and it's a fundamental module within the Positive Changemaker program is the levels and levers of systemic change. Most of the time, many people look at the event, what's actually happening, and they go, I've got to put out the fire. I've got to change the thing without recognizing that the very reason that event or that outcome occurred is because a pattern of behavior of a person or group of people or a system or a process drove that behavior. Like, for example, why is there such an increase in consumer spending in late November and early December? The answer, obviously, in, in most Western countries, it's Christmas time. That's a pattern of behavior. We can predict that there is an outcome based on an event that drives a bunch of behavior. So we need to understand the deeper reason, the why things are occurring the way they are. How is the systems and structures of life set up to drive a certain behavior? And what are the mindsets, values, and beliefs that drive that? If we truly want to understand why something's occurring the way that it is, we need to understand the deeper patterns for why it's happening. Key here is to name the pattern and tell other people about it. They can either validate the patterns occurring or offer an alternative, and then you can break those patterns that no longer serve. Just go back two years in most corporate environments. Time at work was a measure of performance. We all have to go home in order to work from home for, you know, more than a year. Outcomes becomes a measure of performance, not time at work. We can change patterns just by noticing their pattern and deciding not to follow the pattern anymore. Number 11, the flip side of this is simple patterns repeated. Micro moves like little things done consistently and well can result in major jumps forward. We can always create a pattern that can serve you well as you try and create change. Like, for example, set a goal to achieve each week and do it. Simple patterns repeated. We don't need to try too many things. We just need to do one or two things really well to create momentum for our positive change. And before we know it, that micro move becomes a major jump forward. Number 12. Reflection. It's what we need to do in order to know how to improve. You know, critical, in psychology, we call this metacognition. Critical thought and critical reasoning. Thinking about our thinking or thinking about our feeling to recognize how to do it better next time. Number 13, be bold. It doesn't matter how small the change is. We need to be bold. 
anything else than being bold will not be enough to make a dent in the world. Number 14, start. (laughs) Just do something. Something that heads you in a direction so you can learn about what to do next. Now, this final one, this final number 15 of 15, if you do just do this one thing, I can tell you what, in my own personal experience and having suggested this to many people who, have become, who are amazing change makers for the world, this last thing, if you just do this one thing, I can guarantee that it will overcome any hurdle that will hold you back from creating positive change in the world. And it's very very simple create change with friends your friends colleagues people that you um, share something a passion with they'll lift you up when you're down they'll support you when you don't know what to do next they'll offer your perspective you could never have thought of yourself they'll strengthen your resolve when you think your courage is wavering it's safety and strength in numbers and ultimately to be honest with you it's fun to do stuff with others so even if you're more introverted it doesn't mean you need a crowd of people it just needs means you need one or two or a few other people that are also in your corner when you step into the ring to create that positive change to set that ripple in motion to set that small act that can create big change just do it with others And on that note, this has been the Positive Change Podcast. I look forward to having you listen in to next time. If you think this this podcast has made a difference to you, there's one tidbit or insight or observation or action you can take. Drop me a direct message in Facebook, in Instagram. Send me an email. Let me know in the comments below. See you soon. Hi, and thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Positive Change Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe using the button below and make sure you also click the bell icon to get notified every time we release a new episode. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, we have them in the link underneath, as well as our social media handles and some links to free training and other offers that we drop from time to time to help you go from overwhelmed to thriving in pursuing your best life. So go ahead and check out this episode's show notes if you're interested. And thank you so much for tuning into the Positive Change Podcast.